We've been going through a series of messages here at Gateway we called Why Church. For the whole month of September, we've been talking about connection, and we've been doing things to connect with one another. I asked uh, Alex to join me today for a couple of reasons. One, I've always wanted Alex and I to preach together, so we're going to be doing this together. We'll have you out of here before 3 o'clock, but we're going <laughs> to... They laugh nervously, but we're going to do this together today because, you know, I wanted some help with our, today's topic. Also because Alex has been with us here at Gateway for seven years. I asked him in the first service how long it had been, and he said, it only feels like 20. But he's been with us for seven years, and so we want to bless Alex because most of what you see happening around here physically and spiritually, Alex is responsible for. So Alex is going to take a sabbatical. For two months, he's going to rest and pray and travel and yeah. So he's going to drive across country at one point, Route 66. So he'll be taking pictures and sending them to us. Yeah. So Alex will be gone beginning tomorrow, but he's ending his time with us here today. And we're today talking about giving. Why give? So I'm going to begin with a really compelling and important passage of scripture for us. But before I do, let me kick it off with prayer. Father, thanks for drawing us together. We don't believe we're here by accident. We believe that you have appointed each of us to be here in your presence. And so we ask that you would speak to us at exactly the place where we need to hear you. We open our hearts to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll be reading from 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you would, let's go old school. Stand with me out of reverence for God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'll be reading verses 6 through 11. Remember this. There are other translations that, that say, this is the point, colon. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, quote from the Old Testament, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You may be seated. All right, so this is a really encouraging passage as you dig into it, but the main point, and it's, it's the one instruction here that Paul gives us, is basically give, all right? So give, and he says, each of you should give. Each of you should give. So he was talking to people who had already made a decision to follow Christ. These were people that were part of the church at Corinth, and he was saying, this is what those of us who follow Christ do. This is part of who we are. It's how we participate with God and what he's trying to accomplish in the world. I may not be able to go and live in a foreign country, but I can give week after week, and some of my money through our church goes to support missionaries who are bringing the gospel and the good news of Jesus to people in other lands. I don't have to be able to do all of that myself. This is how I get to participate. 
So each of us who have made that decision to follow Christ should give. Now, if you find yourself kind of on the outside looking in, maybe you're not sure whether Gateway is the church for you, or you're not even sure where you fit in the whole landscape with God. You're not sure if you believe all of this. All right, so I think that makes perfect sense for you to not give, okay? That's why sometimes on Sunday mornings when we take up the offering, we say, hey, if you're a visitor, don't worry about the offering. Because really the offering is for us who consider Gateway our church family. If you're new to Gateway and you're kind of beginning to feel like this might be your church family, then I would say, all right, begin to give, begin to support the work that's going on here. If you're committed to Gateway, if this is your church home, by all means, each of you should give. That's on us. It's kind of like in your family, everybody has responsibilities. At some point, your kids become old enough to begin carrying out the trash or make a meal once a week. And so this is our responsibility, but it's more than a responsibility, it's a privilege. It's just a normal, natural, spiritual practice that every believer gets to do. We get to invest in resourcing the work of God in the world today. Now, we get a little more insight into the way that we should give as we press on in this verse. So we should give, but, but Paul goes on and he kind of presses forward and he says, but when you do it, you need to do it, first of all, deliberately. So what you have decided in your heart, give what you have decided to give in your heart. So there's a decision. This is not you show up and kind of, I don't know, I'm not feeling it today. It was only a mediocre sermon. Oh, it was a good <laughs> sermon. Okay, I'm going to give big. Not that kind of thing, but where you make a choice. You think about it. You consider your own finances. You consider the need. You consider the organization maybe that you're supporting. Do they feel like they're a substantial organization? How, how is their money spent? We're, gonna, we're starting our season for our new budget year today. We discuss the budget with our leaders, and then over the next four to six weeks, anybody who wants more information about how the money is spent around here, you are welcome to that. We want you to be involved in that process. So you, you ought to check that out. Don't just give money to somebody because they got a sad face or, you know, they're holding up a sign which may or may not be true. We definitely need to take care of people who are poor and under-resourced, but if we're going to give systematically to the work of Christ, then we need to think about it. We need to weigh the need. We need to weigh the organization. We need to look at our finances. We need to pray about it. We need to invite God into that decision and... I think we always need to build in the God factor. That is, you know, I look at my finances and I say, well, this is what I can afford to give looking at my money and my bills and my obligations. But if I trust God in this, would God give me the ability to maybe expand that a little bit? Could I trust God just a little bit more and give a little more? And then I'm going to evaluate down the road, maybe three months and six months. Hey, are my finances doing okay? Does God seem to be blessing this investment I'm making? Is God giving me more? And if so, then maybe I can increase my gift. Or if I get an annual bonus, you know, maybe I can give a bigger percentage of that than I do week after week. So we want to give deliberately. I would always recommend if you're married, please discuss this with your spouse before you pick a big number. That's just a good way to stay married over <laughs> a lot of years. Paul says there's another element to our giving that's really important. We should give deliberately, but we also need to give cheerfully. Cheerfully. So God loves a cheerful giver. And the idea here is Paul says, look, I don't want you to give out of reluctance. I don't want you to give out of pressure. I don't want you to be manipulated by people. I don't want you to give out of guilt or think that, well, God will love me more if I write a bigger check. 
That's not why we give. We give out of a cheerful heart because where we're making this decision, it's not in our brain. I, I would have thought, since it's an accounting decision, Paul would say, decide in your brain what you're going to give or talk to your accountant. But he says, no, decide in your heart what you're going to give and give without any kind of compulsion or guilt or any kind of pressure because God wants us to give from a cheerful, joyful heart. For me, i got to be honest, the, the cheerful part has come slowly over the years. So I am kind of a responsibility-driven person, and I grew up in a church family and always gone to church. And so when I got to be an adult, it was like, well, I guess i got to write a check for this. And it was not out of joy. But I can say over time, over the years, as God has grown me in this area, the joy comes later. I'll see maybe how God is using those resources. I, I often, on Sunday mornings, are working back in the back with either babies or toddlers. And man, you see kids, or if you come on a Sunday night and see what's going on with our teenagers, you realize like, oh my gosh, God is up to something here. And, and I want to be a part of that. And as you begin to see the fruit of that, then you begin to find the joy. And every step we take in terms of generosity is another step towards joy and cheerfulness in the way that we give. So we've asked Jabin and Bijou to come up here because we want you to hear from normal people, uh, just everyday, actual, these are real-life people. They're not playing uh, church members at Gateway. These are actual <laughs> Gateway people who are not on the staff because we wanted to hear kind of what this looks like for them. So welcome, Jabin and Bijou. So Gateway, this is Jabin and this is Bijou. Jabin, I have known for many, many years and I have seen God act generously to extraordinary degrees through Jabin and his wife Susan on many occasions. Jabin is the kind of person that if you're his friend, he makes you look good and people over the years have ended up thanking me for something I had absolutely nothing to do with because it was Jabin. I haven't known Bijou long, but I've been able to see Bijou's heart and how generous it is. Bijou came to me uh, several weeks ago with an idea to help an effort in her country. You may hear more about this in the future if we get to the place where we're giving as we should be giving at Gateway, we can help fund this. Bijou, where are you from? Congo. Okay, so more later. Jabin, let's begin with you. How do you decide, Javen? What does deliberateness look like for you and Susan? Well, when it, when it comes to giving, there are, for us anyway, there are kind of two cases, two different ways we decide things. We have made a habit and a pattern of giving on a regular basis. So whenever I plan my budget, which you know, I, I like to figure out at least once a year what I'm doing with my budget, I start off by saying 10% of my income is going to the church or to Christ-centered causes. Now that's easy for Sue and I because that's the tradition we grew up in. And, and so we do that fairly easily. But then there's also the exceptional case where either there's a need that we've become aware of or the building campaign when we were doing that where it's something in addition, above and beyond. And we spend some time thinking and praying about that and then Sometimes we hear from God, and sometimes we, we don't get a clear message and we decide what to do. So this 10% thing, there's an Old Testament teaching where they talk about a tithe, and it, that word literally means tenth. So in your budgeting process, 
You take a tenth of what you make, and boom, give it. At least, yes. There's sometimes more, and I'm far enough out of date that it may not quite be 10% right now. But. <laughs> so the, then the extra things that come, Javen, and I know over the years you have helped individuals or families. So how do you and Susan, an extra thing comes up? What does that look like, the deliberateness? Well, first part, usually when I'm willing to do it, that means God's at work. <laughs> <laughs> Completely up front, right? I'm, somebody knocks on the door and says, give me some money for this or that or the other thing, and I say, no, thank you. So when I feel inclined to be generous, for me, that means God's at work. And then when Sue agrees with me, that means God's at work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bijou, you came to my office this week and we talked about you have four boys, and we talked about how you are building uh, cheerfulness into their lives. And I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. So, Yes. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child the way he should go, and when he gets old, he will not depart from it. I grew up in the Congo, and in, the Congo, in most countries in Africa, even kids give in Sunday school, so parents will give. Uh, the children something to, to give to the Lord, just a way to train them that we have to give back to the Lord because the Lord has been very generous to us and we have to give back. So when I came here and I started having my kids, I noticed that kids don't give to when they go to Sunday school. So I was like, I have to do something about this. I sat down with them and I talked to them like, hey, boys, I think we need to talk about giving. I would like for you guys, when you celebrate your birthday, we're gonna have a party. Mommy and daddy can buy you something, but we can ask your friend to bring something that I can you know, pick up or identify in it for other children in the Congo that we can send to them. A way for us, not only to please the Lord, but also to reflect his gift of salvation and to make the other kids feel that they are really loved by God. So next month I have my son who's turning five and he wants to be a doctor. I told him about albinism and how many kids in Africa who are albinos don't have sunscreen. I was like, Ben, you know there are many kids in Africa who have albinism and they don't have sunscreen. I would like for your birthday to do something what if we ask your friend to bring sunscreen for the kids uh, who are albinos in the Congo? And he's very excited to do it because not only it's something that he's passionate about, you know, medical field, but also just giving back. And the fun part is after their birthday, they always like write a letter to the kids they are sending stuff to. And when they receive the response, you can tell the joy in their face that they've done something that pleases the Lord and that testify God's love. That is awesome. Jordan, wherever he is, Jordan, at your next birthday, we will be collecting stuff to give away and not... Bijou, thank you. Let's give Javen and Bijou another hand. One of the fascinating things about this passage is the Apostle Paul tees it off with the motivation. And it's a pretty, honestly, it's a pretty selfish motivation. He is appealing to the you part of you. 
So why should we give? Why give? There are several reasons in Scripture. Of course, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how we give because of our commitment to one another. We also give because God tells us to give. Each of you, as Alex said, should give. More than that, I think we give because it's who we are. We're made in God's image, and He is a profoundly generous God. So we give because it's who we are. But this passage gives us an additional motivation. It says in verse 6, what we might call, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. We might call this a kingdom principle. Jesus says, if you sow sparingly, and this is the image, of course, is of a farmer out sowing in his field. If you sow a few seeds, you only stand the chance of a few crops coming up. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously. In other words, what you sow in is the universe of what you're going to be able to reap. And you understand this principle. Why do you invest an extra percentage point in your retirement fund this next year or the year after that? Let's add another percentage point or let's add two percentage points of our income to our retirement because you know, or to the new house fund or to the new car fund because you know the more you invest, the more you will reap. Now we have to say immediately, it is, of course, not a one-to-one -one correspondence. And what I mean by that is God is not necessarily going to watch you stroke a $100 check and then pay you back $300 a month from now. It's not a formula like that. But he literally does give us a formula. Meaning, when you sow a lot, you will be blessed a lot. God will bless you with what you most need, what most captures your heart. He will bless you. You know, I wanted to give a weird illustration of this, if I can, just from us corporately. Some of you will know a little uh, about this. And in fact, if I'm talking to the person who's in my illustration later, come up and tell me because I've forgotten who you were. But we built this building. We planned. We prayed. We talked to architects. We talked to one another. And then we cast vision for building a space that could be a community center. That's why we built a gymnasium. And we wanted to build a place. You know, we, we live in the, the, one of these suburban areas that people are moving in rapidly, as you know, and, and there aren't community places yet. I mean, there aren't even enough restaurants, but they're coming. But there's not community space yet. You've got the Dulles South Community Center, but other than that, you know, it's, it's basically schools. So we wanted to build a place that could be something for the community, a community center. And you know, you should know that we are filling up this gym Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, all day Saturday and Sunday afternoon with basketball and soccer. We've got clubs meeting here. We've got scout groups meeting here. And this is exactly what we designed this building for, for the community to come in. We also built it for you, those of you who are fairly new. There was a 19th century pastor who has one of my favorite quotations. He said, the church is the one society in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. So we built this for you to come. We built this as a community center, and it's working. We sacrificed. The people that were part of this congregation gave very, very liberally to make this happen, to build a community center. So, after we built this, you remember Hurricane Harvey happened. And when Hurricane Harvey happened, there was someone locally here who wanted to 
collect goods for Hurricane Harvey. And they had found someone who would park a giant container here on the back of an 18-wheeler truck somewhere. They'd found a place in, in Houston that they connected with, and they were looking for somewhere to park this big truck. So, like some of you, they saw this structure going up on the corner of Gum Spring and what was going to be, wasn't even in yet, Tall Cedars Parkway, and they started thinking, what in the world is that? And then it came in, and there's this big parking lot. So they got in touch with us and said, hey, can we park our truck in your parking lot and collect goods for Hurricane Harvey? It's a great cause. So Alex and I look at one another and think, sure, all right, park your truck here. And so they did. They parked the truck here. To my amazement, lots of you started bringing tons of supplies for Hurricane Harvey. It blew up on Facebook and other places. I didn't know any of these people. All kinds of people But loading up the truck. I had absolutely nothing to do with it. The most work I actually did was went out there one day and said, thank you guys. And they said, no problem. Who are you? And I said, well, I'm pastor of this church. Oh, well, thank you so much. No problem. That was it for me. So one day, I went to uh, Mug and Muffin to get lunch. So I was over here at Mug and Muffin, and I was standing in line behind two people. They're buying their lunch, and they're talking, and I'm standing there minding my own business. Somebody turns around, and then turns around again, does the double-take thing, and then turns around and looks at me and says, aren't you the pastor of that church that's doing the Hurricane Harvey thing? It took me about four seconds. I had no idea what she was talking about. Oh, uh, yes. Thank you so much for what you've done. And, you know, I've been thinking about coming to your church, and I've, I've told some other people about it. And, you know, thank you. so. It was too long a story to explain. Well, really, actually, I had nothing to do with it. We just told them yes and let them park in our parking lot. So I lied and said, yes, you're welcome. But we got all of the benefit of having that happen here in reputation, and in the blessing of people being blessed by us and, and seeing that. And we didn't do anything but build a parking lot and say, yes, the more you sow, the more you reap. That's why we give. Now, some of you may be going, all right, well, I like the idea. In principle, I, I want to give, and I want to give generously. But so I, I look at my paycheck here and, you know, we got a housing, and so that's a huge chunk of my paycheck. And then we got food, we got insurance, we got the car payment, we got insurance for the car, we got kids' dentistry. We, you know, there's not much left after I've already, I, I've got these commitments, I've got to keep those up. So how in the world can I give generously? And Paul, fortunately, didn't just tell us to give, but he explains how this works. How is it possible for us to give and fuel the work of God in the world around us. Verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. So when we go out to sow our seeds of generosity, we're not doing that just because we're so brilliant. Look at all the seeds we got. Those seeds are given to us by God. He's the one that gave us the brains. He's the one that provided the education that gives us the health or the intelligence or whatever resources we bring to the table so we get any seeds to take care of our house or anything else. All of that comes from him. So he blesses us on the front end with more for us to invest in his kingdom. But it doesn't stop there. He takes what we do on the front end and then he also blesses us on the back end. And he says... I'm going to bless you. Read the, the last part of this verse. And 
he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So it's not just giving us the seed to sow and making sure that we have our daily bread, but he blesses us on the harvest side. And when we are willing to use our money and give and fuel his work, then he blesses the outcome also. To use Ed's analogy, it's like, you know, you get your employer says, we'll match up to 3% of what you put into your retirement account. God does that, but even more so. He's blessing what you're willing to invest on the front end. But who has an employer that says, oh, and by the way, when you retire, whatever you have coming to you in retirement, we're going to double that too. That's the kind of generosity God gives us. So he blesses us coming and going, front end and back end. And then beyond that, uh, Paul gives us a little bit more information with this. Verse 8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly. Why? So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So there's this principle, starts in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 12, where God says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing to other people. And all through the scripture, from beginning to end, there's that idea, God blesses his people, but not just so they can be fat and happy, he blesses them so that they in turn can bless others. And in this verse, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the need, you will abound in every good work. You can do things on God's behalf. You can be the agent of blessing because God has already blessed you. And then verse 11 in the same passage, you're going to be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So Paul was saying, when you guys are generous and you give, you Corinthians give to this cause that I've mentioned in this verse, thanksgiving is the end result. People on the other end get blessed, and you get blessed, and thanksgiving goes to God. He gets the credit for this. That's how this works. So God blesses us so that we can bless others, and God gets the credit. So if you think about Gateway as a church family, one respect, I guess you could think of it as kind of like some circles. There is a sense in which we have kind of a crowd of people that make up Gateway. There's some other people outside of this that, you know, maybe have come once or twice. They might come back at Christmas or later this year when things settle down. And then we've got people that not just come occasionally, but we've got some people that come pretty much all the time. They're in the congregation, and then we've got others that have been coming for a long time, and they're really committed to this. If, if you're on the outside here, well, it would make sense for you to be a little skeptical. New church, don't know, or they run okay. I'll think about giving. I'll, I'll throw in a 10 or 20, you know, when I'm there. So that's fine. That's very much appreciated, but we try to make it a point every Sunday when we take up the offering to say, look, if you're a visitor, thank you for coming. We don't, don't worry about the offering. That's for us. That's for our church family. This is how we get to participate in the work of God that's going on in our lives and around us. So when you become more than an occasional attender and you kind of get to this part where, yeah, Gateway is my church home. This is my place. This is my family. That's when probably you need to be thinking more than just dropping a couple of bucks in every week. This is where the deliberate decision about what you're going to give starts to pay off. And then as you get more involved, you become more aware of some of the needs. And you might be giving, you know, to Gateway already, but you find that somebody in your small group has a need and you can help take care of that need. And you give over and above. For many of us that have been around church for a long time, so I've been a Christ follower since 1972, so that's, that's a long time. Uh, my wife and I both grew up in church, kind of like Jabin and Susan. So 
at this point where we are, it's pretty easy to make our church giving our priority in our giving. But this is different for everybody. Everybody has to make this decision on their own. And you get to decide what you decide. I decide what I decide. And God gives us that freedom. Different people, even in the same family, decide it different ways. And, you know, nobody knows what other people are giving around here, by the way. Uh, we try to keep that very private. I think there are two people at Gateway. One person who records what the donations are so that at the end of the year you get your tax statement and there's somebody who sends it out. Two people in the whole place that know what individual people give. So we treat this very privately. But I'll, I'll give you the, the way it works for my wife and me. We decide what we're going to give to the church or the ministry that feeds us and that meets our primary spiritual needs. So we, we decide what that chunk of contribution looks like. And then over and above that, we found over the years that we really have a heart for mission trips. And I've had a bunch of people in churches that I've served in over the years that whenever they go on a mission trip, they'll send me a letter saying, hey, I'm going on a mission trip. You want to pray for me? Or you could contribute. So about 10 times a year, I'll get somebody that says you want to contribute. So we give some usually to mission trips. Uh, Jill and I, we also kind of find that uh, feeding ministries like Feed My Starving Children, Stop Hunger Now, uh, programs that get food to people in need. That's something that we're kind of passionate about. So we try to do that. And then there's some other things, uh, like we have a family friend who has ALS. So we put some money in on a regular basis there. Or we'll see something on Facebook. Or we'll have a coworker, you know, who's in need. So there are other little pieces to this puzzle. My kids, I have a daughter who is 27, and she's taught me a lot about giving. Let me get over here. So she gives to her church. She's a really generous person and she lives very simply so that she's not wrapped up in money. I'm going to wait until she has kids in college and braces. It gets more complicated, right? So she gives to her church and then on top of that she loves setting aside money so that she can help people around her in need. I learned when she was in high school that she would literally smack me if we walked past a homeless person, and I didn't give them money. So she has a really compassionate heart, and, and she likes helping people around her, like uh, one of her friends, you know, if their transmission breaks. She wants to be able to go to her stockpile of charitable giving beyond what she's given to her church so that she has money to help somebody out. My son is uh, 30, and he does the same thing. He gives a, a chunk to his church, and he decides on that. He sets aside whatever he's going to give to his church, but he really likes that personal connection too. He wants to know the people that he is giving money to. So he's had this long-term relationship with a, a young man that he met at a homeless shelter six years ago. And for a year, he was the official mentor for this boy, and then that commitment was up. But he stayed in touch with this kid who's now 16, and his mom just passed away. So this is an at-risk teenager who Joe has had this long-term relationship with, and Joe and a couple of his friends at church are thinking about, hey, is there a way we could help Davion get to junior college? Because he's smart, but, you know, there's no opportunity for him unless we do it. See, three different people, same family, but just different ways of handling it. And so you have all the freedom in the world to decide before God what you want to give. But the, the point is, we want to make it a deliberate decision. We want to give deliberately and cheerfully and joyfully to fuel the work that God wants to do around us. I hope quite a few of you were here a couple of weeks ago because we talked about why we give and we gave a reason that you don't often hear discussed. And I want to right now, before I leap into this next part, I want to draw on the board again. This is just a gimmick for Alex and I, tolerate us. 
I want to tell you why we're doing this. I mean, this is a significant part. We've taken two weeks of our Why Church series to talk about giving. That's not because we need to feed the machine. Those of you who are cynical, I don't blame you for thinking that, and you're free to think that. Or let me say, if I'm going to be more honest, third reason, and a distant reason, that we're talking about this is because we need to feed the machine. Uh, the first reason would be because God tells us to do it. Second reason we're talking about it is because, as we said two weeks ago, a kind of our commitment to one another. This is what we do as a church. We give together. We pool our resources to do and to be church. But we have created a system here. We have created a, a machine. And let me say a word about that. Alex and I talked about this this week, and I want you to know that we feel like that what God has built here for us is a Ferrari. And I don't mean the building. I mean you. God has assembled an incredible set of, of talent and skills and resources, personal resources, interpersonal resources, financial resources. But right now, we feel like the Ferrari that God has assembled is parked. It's idling. You know, we can have people take pictures of us in it, and we look pretty cool, but we haven't yet hit the gas. And I'm going to give you three areas of specific need that we feel like we need to hit the gas this year. This is going to be a really challenging year. Wait, parentheses before I tell you that, before I give you three areas of need. This past year, we knew for years would be a very challenging year. We were building a building. A lot of stuff was going to happen. We were a small congregation, a congregation that gave very generously and very liberally. And not only so, but we watched our pennies and we collected and we saved a lot of nuts because we knew winter was coming. And so winter came, and by the way, we ate all of our nuts. So we don't have any nuts left. In an organization like this, they'll just tell you accounting principles. You need like three to six months in savings just to have runway for yourself and safety. So, you know, if a rainy day happens. Well, we had a lot more than three to six months set aside and saved. We don't anymore. We've eaten all of our nuts. So at this point, I'm saying to the staff, don't spend anything. Don't buy a Coke. We got to wait and see what God is going to do. That means we're sitting in this Ferrari, but we can't hit the gas. And let me give you some illustration. We need more staff so we can do more ministry. And I'm just going to write one terrifying word. And I want those of you to know, with little kids, they're coming. Teenagers. We've got a bunch of teenagers in our church that... Dedicated energy needs to be given to them, and they're terrifying, and they're also strange, so they need a lot of help. And if we're going to deal with our teenagers the way that they need to be dealt with, our teenage students, then we need to give dedicated energy to that. And we've got Moses Altamirano ready to be hired full-time, but we can't hire him unless we give. There's also our building. I could list many things here, but let me just give you three buckets. Our building. This is a fantastic building, I think you would agree. But it's like the brand new home that you moved into when you bought your first home. Some of you aren't there yet, but those of you who are well past that, you remember when you bought your first home? You bought your first home and you moved in and you didn't have enough furniture to fill it up, but the space was beautiful. So over time, you had to collect pictures and knickknacks and furnish the living room finally six years after you moved in. Well, it's time for us to make this 
house our home. We've got to warm some spaces up and soften some other spaces. We want to do some things in here to make it look a little bit more like a worship area. We want to improve the sound in this room and especially two of the rooms that our kids meet in. We need to improve the sound. And the patio outside just beyond the cafe area, we want to turn that into a three-season space that would seat 75 or 100 people for a reception or for a meeting or for a wedding. In order to do that, we need us to give. And then beyond that, perhaps most importantly, we live in the wealthiest county in America, which makes us one of the wealthiest places in the history of the world. And we've got to give beyond ourselves. We've got to give to missions. And three different people over the last six months have come to me with a specific cause, two of them from their country of origin, deeply passionate about this, and in order for us to give, which God has told us to do, in order for us together to give beyond ourselves, we have got to give into our common pot. So, current status at Gateway? Giddy up. We need us to decide in our heart what we should give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know if you've ever, like, been involved in cheerful giving and you've gotten to see the result, but great story from just a couple of weeks ago. Two Sundays ago, somebody pulled me aside after church and said, hey, our family replaced our family van. It's 14 years old, has a lot of miles on it, but it has a lot of life left in it. And, you know, we could sell it for a little bit. We could have traded it in, but it seems like maybe a better investment would be to give this to somebody in need. So do you guys know of anybody around here who needs a vehicle? So I said, well, let me check at staff meeting. So we talked about this in staff meeting. We came up with someone that we thought had a need, and I emailed them and said, hey, I, I heard you might have a need for a vehicle. Is this something that you would want to pursue? We have a person who's made one available. Get back in touch with me. And I want you to hear the voicemail message that this person left me later that day. Okay, so give this a listen. There's the... Hey, Alex, this is Christelle. I just your email oh my god I, you can all believe this not later than today i was just praying i was just praying for god to help me get a car and then uh, i'm just like on my 15th break um from work and i got my phone connected and i received your email and i'm just so overwhelmed right now. <laughs> oh my god yes 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 i'm so interested and i want to know like whatever i have have to do and you know, yes. Just like please come back whenever you you um you get the time and yeah, have a great afternoon and evening. <laughs> I'm just so happy I don't even know what I'm saying. Thank you so much, so much, so much for thinking about me. Thank you. You don't ever get to hear a voicemail like that unless somebody says in their heart, God, I wanna be a part of this. I wanna give and I, I'm going to trust you to bless on the front end of the gift and on the back end of the gift. Maybe I'll hear about it. Maybe I won't. But I want to be a part of that. And I don't know, hearing a voicemail like that makes me want to be a part of that. So let's pray. Would you? God, would you give us generous hearts? You've told us to give and you have explained to us in your word how you will bless us richly. But you want us to give out of our heart. You want us to decide ahead of time, not pressured. You want us to give joyfully and cheerfully, knowing that you're going to bless 
our offering. And you're going to bless the harvest at the other end. So we trust you to do that, and we pray that you would work in a mighty way through what we as a church family are able to give. May we be generous just like you are. And may our gifts reflect your work in our heart. We pray this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And all God's people said? Okay, we're going to continue our worship service now. That needs to be said. We're, we're not finished. We want to give you an opportunity to respond. So in your program this morning, there are commitment cards. Don't get nervous. This is not a financial commitment card. We're wrapping up our entire series. We've been talking for weeks now about why church. And we have prayed and earnestly hoped that many of you would decide, look, I want to dive in. I'm ready. So I want to give you an opportunity to do some of that work before God right now. Here's what I want you to do with this commitment card. I want you to read the front side. It gives you an explanation of what this is. And then I want you to check no more than two of these boxes. Because if you check more than two, you won't do any of them. But check one or two of these boxes if you would like for us to send you a reminder of your commitment in January, then very legibly put your email at the bottom. But you don't have to do this. This is between you and God. And the commitments are, I, I commit to strengthen my friendships because some of you need to spend this year, as God moves us deeper and wider, you need to get beyond yourself. For others of you, I'm committed to expand my friendship set. Others, I, I commit to join a small group. You haven't done that yet. Or some of you, I commit to invest more in my small group. I'm going to do more than just show up. Or for some of you, I commit to invest more in my marriage. This is a year where we got to work on some stuff. Or I commit to connect more deeply with my family. I, I commit to begin to give to Gateway. That's the commitment that you need to make to take the next step spiritually. Or I commit to increase my giving to Gateway. I commit to investigate joining Gateway. Or I commit to attend weekend services more regularly. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds to think about this. And I would love for you to make an actual commitment before God today. Just you and God. We're going to do something with th these commitment cards in a moment. But if anybody needs a commitment card or a golf pencil, raise your hand and Laura will get to you. And why don't you take a minute and look at this commitment card. What's the next step forward for you this year? Let's pray. God, you are glorious and magnificent and generous and kind. And we are in your debt. And we thank you so much for the call on our lives to be like you because it's what we are to give. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday. Thank you.